have finished dealing with a series that I called for Christians only, A Life of Grace, and we are back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We began the first Sunday in this church in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. And that was uh, almost three years ago. So uh, today we will pick up 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we will start focusing in on the first three verses of this chapter. I'll read this and we'll ask the Lord to teach. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Father, we come to hear from you. Father, we come to know your ways, to know your purposes, to know your plans, to know your perfect will. Father, you have given it to us. You have laid it before us. Father, you have given us an interpreter, your spirit. Father, you have given us your plan, your word. And you have given us your strength, your church. Father, we come today to hear from you. Father, we come today to seek you. Father, a day that we celebrate day that is given unto you. We love you, Lord. We praise you for this time. In Christ's name. Amen. This is a fascinating text. It's a fascinating text. And I will do my best over the years to come to make this as simple as possible. Okay, I want you to look at a phrase. I'm basically going to lay a foundation to kind of pick up on what we're doing here. Okay, and why we are where we're at. All right, I want you to look at a little phrase. You have an outline in front of you that you see that the importance and the source and the test. If you have your Bibles open, you will look there and it says now concerning spiritual gifts. Okay, if you've got a really good Bible... Gifts should be in italics. Okay, meaning that that word is not in the manuscripts. So when you read this text, it literally would read, now concerning charisma. That's how it states. Okay, charisma. That is the term that you see for spiritual. All right. But I want us to focus on something a little different. Here's the phrase. I do not want you to be unaware. It literally states in the original language, I do not want you to be ignorant of this. Okay, now let me tell you something. If the Bible tells you, don't be ignorant of this, you think there's maybe an emphasis in it? It may be sort of like God saying, yo, I'm talking to you. 
You think maybe that might be playing out? And yet, I would argue that this day, this text has the greatest amount of ignorance. Okay? But if you think about where we've been in our study, chapter 7, he says, Now concerning the things which you have written. The church in Corinth had a question. Actually, they had a list of questions, didn't they? When has he changed? He hasn't. The first six chapters, he's a little perturbed about the church. And he just goes through and starts blasting them. And then it isn't until chapter 7 that we even understand, here's why I'm writing, because you had gotten questions to me, and I need to answer you these questions. And part of these questions is spiritual gifts. Okay, here's what happens, and here's why there's an an ignorance in the church today considering spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts is dealt with contextually from chapter 12 through the end of chapter 14. Not just chapter 12, and then chapter 13 is that love chapter. Okay, but that ain't the one that hangs us out to dry. The one that hangs us out to dry is, is that it is in the context of 1 Corinthians. It is in the context of a disunified body of believers. It is in the context of a church that has division. It is in a context than a church that has more carnality in it than it has spiritualism. It is in the context of a church that is being rebuked because the church looks more like the world than it does the holy body of the Lord Jesus Christ. If I keep that in mind as I exegete the text between 12 and 14, spiritual gifts is very simple. It's very, very simple. And yet today it is one of the most abused. Okay? We need to... You Boy, we... This is one of the frustrating times when they put the chapter and verses in it that just annoy the stew out of me. I do not believe there should be a chapter 12. We just came out of one of the most sacred texts of Holy Writ. The perversion of the Lord's table. And the spirituals are where? In the same context of what? The Lord's table. They have perverted. The Lord's table had become a party. And he says, when you come to the Lord's table and it's a party, he says, you need to understand something. That ain't the Lord's table. You may be calling it that. You may be acting like it's that, but it ain't that. You may be going through the motions of it, but it ain't the Lord's table. And if you keep that mindset and then you jump into spiritual gifts, then you can say, well, what were they doing? Same thing they were doing at the Lord's table. That's why I called this the testing of the spirituals. The testing of the spirituals. Why? If we can take something as 
precious, something as sacred as the Lord's table and abuse it and pervert it, what do you reckon we can do with the spiritual gifts? Right? This text today has some of the greatest divisions on the use of the use of and the existence of and the meaning of spiritual gifts. And therefore, I would say that when Paul says, I don't want you to be unaware or I don't want you to be ignorant of this, um, that Christianity has ignored the exhortation from the Apostle Paul. Okay, um, we, we need to view this very carefully. Okay, and here's the reason. Here's what has happened in the church. Okay, if you look at two and three, all right, two and three, and I'm not going to read these. I'll get more in depth as I go in the weeks to come. But in two and three, there's an underpinning there that you see. That the Apostle Paul is literally chastening these people. Okay? And this is what I call the homiletics of experience. Okay? Experience. Hear this well. Experience never, ever, never, ever, ever validates truth. Please understand that. And I don't care what your experience is, if it is not in line with the Word of God, then what is it? Well, if the Word is truth, and it's not in line with truth, then what would it be? A lie. We hate to say that, don't we? But but I experienced it. Listen, so... So what? Okay. And yet I see it today that says, but I've seen this. I remember a guy telling me one time, it's been years ago. He says, but you don't believe in healings. And I said, I believe in healings. He says, but a man that can heal. He says, I knew a guy whose uncle knew this guy who made this other guy who was blind see. Did you know the blind guy? No. Did you know the guy who made the blind guy see? No. What the heck are you saying? All right. God can do. Now, I want you to understand where I stand on this because I stand where truth is. God can do whatever God wants to do whenever God wants to do it with whoever he wants to do it with anytime he wants to do it with. And it's his prerogative. Okay, please understand that God spoke existence into being. I mean, he only created time. That's all. And I'm still, he what? Did he make the first watch? No. (laughs) Okay. He created time. So God can do whatever God wants to do, whenever God wants to do it, however he wants to do it. He says, I'm going to take the foolish to confound the wise. He said, I'm going to take the weak to overthrow the strong. Go for it. Go for it. So we need to understand these things. But I think what happens is, is that we've kind of skewed some things. And and I kind of want to lay this out 
Because that first point that you see there is the importance. What I see in evangelical circles is, is that we either go so far over to the spiritual gift thing that we're all clamoring for an experience. Okay, let me tell you something. If you dead set yourself for finding an experience, know this, you will get one. I guarantee it. All right. I had a wonderful experience one time. Phenomenal. I went anticipating an experience. Okay. I went to Three Rivers Stadium in Pittsburgh and I seen Pink Floyd. And it was an experience. Well, I'm thinking God wasn't there. Okay. But I went. I'm geared up for this. And guess what? I got an experience. Okay, if you go chasing experience, know this, you will get one. Okay, but the question that I have to ask is, are we able to test it to see if it is of God? All right, that's the key. That's the key. Whatever the spiritual gifts are, and we'll get through. We've got a lot of stuff to cover. But what you need to ask yourself is, the Apostle Paul is emphatic in his wording of this in the original language, and he says, I don't want you to be unaware of this. I don't want you to be ignorant of this. And it's written in a tense that says, I want you to be so aware of this that you are able to test and teach. Okay? And so when you step into the spirituals, you need to understand these things. There is nothing, hear me well, there is nothing more vital to the life of the church than understanding this. Okay? It's critical that we understand. There is nothing more vital apart from the divine power and energy of God himself than understanding spiritual gifts the empowerment, the enabling of the Holy Spirit. The ministry, we all hear that, right? The ministry. He's in the ministry. We have paid ministry. We did this. The service. Okay, when you hear the word ministry or you hear the word minister, just immediately plug this word into it, service. Okay? The ministry, the service that a believer has is by way and only by way of their spiritual gifts. That is their abilities to serve. Please understand, spiritual gift is not a talent. Please understand that. If you have the ability to sing or play an instrument or something like that, it has nothing to do with spiritual gifts. Spiritual gift is a God-empowered enabling that the person has absolutely no ability to do. None whatsoever. It is literal divine intervention into the natural. Into the natural. It is powered from God. And the, I think what happens is, is um, what we've done to the church. What is the church? Well, it's a building. No, it's a group of people. It's a denomination. It's this. It's a, you know, and I, I wrote out a list. I made this list of all the things that we think that the church is. And then I decided that that's a waste of good paper. And I just threw it away. And I said, it's time that we understand what the church is. 
And, I, and I'm going to do this. I taught, what, 17, 18 weeks on what the bride of Christ is one time. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to kind of give you a, a summary, a therefore. The church is a living organism. Please understand that. The church is the body of the Lord Christ Jesus. You need to understand that. If the church is to be manifest and people want to believe in our Jesus Christ, there's only one place that he's manifest. Please understand that. You got it? That's the body of Christ, the church. No, it's not parachurch ministries. It's not these outside entities. No, 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 no. He's manifest one place. You cannot separate Jesus Christ from the church. Period. You cannot separate Jesus Christ from his word. You cannot separate his word from his church. Anything short of that is perversion. It's abusive. And in some cases, I would even go as far to say that it is blasphemous. Okay? When I hear a person tell me I have a music ministry, and I record these records, and I do these things, that is blasphemous according to Scripture. Okay, the person has a 503C stuck on their music so they don't pay taxes on the money they're making for concerts. That's the only reason they're doing it. Please understand that. Okay, there's no such thing as a music ministry. Does music help? Absolutely. But it comes from talented people. Right? Talented people. Okay, now if you want to go with Rush Limbaugh theology, you can understand that the talent is on loan from God. Okay, uh, I'm not going to really go down that road. But that is just something that a talent is not a spiritual gift. Okay, the reason that I want to be emphatic about the church is because Christ says he is the head of that living body. Okay, the elders are not the head of it. The denomination is not the head of it. Christ is the head of it. And let me be emphatic about it. It is the fullness of him that fills the all in all. Okay? So in case you're wanting to say, well, church, you don't understand. Church is this and church is... No. Church is the fullness of him that fills the all in all. That's from Scripture. The church is not a human institution. The church is not an earthly institution. The church is a creation. It is an organism. In that, that he is the head of it, then the church has stepped into what is eternal. The church is an eternal organism. The church cannot die. It is impossible. The church um, is supernatural. It is the head. Its head is Christ, and Christ only lives forever and ever. Okay, its members are believers. And those believers have been given what? Eternal life. All right, so the church is an eternal, supernatural entity. Matthew 16, Jesus said that the gates of hell, it literally means the entrance into Hades, entrance into death, can't stop it. Okay? You can't stop it. It's impossible. It's eternal. It is indestructible. It's eternal. It's supernatural. And that supernatural characteristic is manifested in many ways. Let me show you how those ways are manifested. We worship a supernatural God. 
We believe a supernatural, we believe in supernatural intervention into human history. God became man. The Word became flesh. Okay? We believe that there was a supernatural intervention and it was revealed through Scripture, Holy Writ, His Word. We have a supernatural Holy Spirit who indwells us and we are a result of a supernatural transformation. We are new creatures. We are born again. That's what I dealt with when I was dealing with for Christians only. You have been delivered. If you're not different than the world, are you saved? I mean, that's what I got at. And I mean, boy, just, I can't believe you're just, yes, I can tell a Christian from a lost person. It's not hard. Lost people look like the rest of the world. Their affections are under things of the world. Saved people, what? I'm worried about Jesus. What would, what would Jesus want me to do? Am I walking holy? Can people see the difference? Am I in the Word? How come I don't feel like praying? I need to pray more. Why am I not in church? I need to be in church. Why? That's where Christ is manifested. He whiz. I about passionate about this. Okay? <clears throat> the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, and I like one of it. It's called the paraclete. It's like a pair of running shoes. No. Um, uh, it is literally what they use for an engagement ring, an endowment. He has been given as a promise. Why? The church is also called the bride of Christ. So Christ promised to come back and do what? Get the bride. All right? So we have this endowment. But even when he gave us the Holy Spirit as a promise of him to come and get us, he says there's an endowment that comes through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, I come with presents too. And I give them as I feel like, as I deem necessary. Okay? And we're going to look at all of this. All right? So <clears throat> I have this endowment, this gift, this spiritual, this charisma by which I or we can minister within this supernatural, eternal organism. Now, I don't know about you, but that just freaks me out. Okay? I have a supernatural ability to deal with an eternal organism that I can literally be used to strengthen others so that they will... Serve more in the power of the Spirit of God. And you just sit there and go, wow, dude, that's serious. Right? I like that. I think that's cool. All right? This supernatural ability is given to every single child of God for building and strengthening the group until it comes to the fullness of Christ. That's its purpose. There's a supernatural ability, a supernatural power that every child of God has to strengthen every child of God 
until every child of God is the fullness of Jesus Christ. That's so cool. I mean, I just think that's amazing. Basically, what Paul tries to say in the book of Ephesians is that we all look like Christ. Okay, now, if you want to run out here today, I mean, it is Christmas, and go try to look like Christ, and you're not in the Word, you're not in prayer, and you're not in church, we're all going to know it real quick because you're going to be one cranky creature. Okay? Let me show you something, another text. Chapter 9, verse 22 of this letter. Chapter 9, verse 22. You want to be a good Christian? Do this. Okay? Do this without the power of God. Right? Watch what he says here. To the weak I became weak, to the might that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may by what? All means. What? Save some. Save some. Now go try to do that. Go try to do that without a supernatural ability. You can't do it. It's impossible. It is literally, literally impossible. And yet, how many people do church on their own terms? Please hear me. You've got to hear this. He doesn't say I'm going to do it through seminary. He doesn't say I'm going to do it through Bible college. That's where we've gotten crooked. You know where theology is taught today? It's supposed to be in the church. You know where it's taught? I don't know where it's taught because I see an ignorance considering spirituals. I see an ignorance. Listen, I've already showed you one spiritual gift, didn't I? A supernatural enabling in this book, wasn't it? It was a gift. It was a charisma. It was that of celibacy. It is a spiritual gift that says I can remain single. The physical things are not overwhelming me. The physical desire, well, you know, it's testosterone and estrogen and all them other things. No! If God empowers it, guess what? It's gone. It's gone. Why do we struggle with that? But that's a spiritual gift. Well, I want the gift of tongues. I want that gift that Paul had where he could run around and make people blind for ignoring him. That's just my personality. I mean, I know some people want to raise the dead and some stuff like that. I want to go around and be offensive in my spiritual gift. You don't believe? Poof, you'll never see. Uh-uh. I'm thinking, that, you know what? You don't have to do that about it. two or three times. You don't mess with him. He's speaking for Jesus. And Jesus said, now, do you see? See, that's the kind of stuff that we have to pay attention to. Can I tell if it's him or not? See, the church has been gifted, has been endowed by the Holy Spirit of God with supernatural enabling, supernatural gifts. And it is for the ministry. Oh, that would be the ministry. No, it's for the saints of God, for the service of the edification. It is for edification and strengthening and is also for evangelism. Why? You strengthen, evangelize, strengthen, evangelize, strengthen, evangelize, strengthen, evangelize. Or strengthen and evangelize and strengthen and evangelize. It isn't complicated. 
Okay? And it is critical to the function and the operation of the church. That's why we've got to understand this thing. We must understand this. We must. We are dying. You know why? Because that's the other side of this. Why must we understand this? Because there is a deceiver who counterfeits. He counterfeits them spiritual gifts because they are absolutely necessary to the life and function of the church. If the church is the body of Christ, how much does Satan hate Christ? Where would the body rank in that? The manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ on the planet earth today is the ecclesias, the called out ones, the church. Where would his hatred, his fury be flying? The church. The church. And if it is vital for us to be able to serve supernaturally, and we're going to do it through supernatural empowerment, where is he going to attack? Where is he going to deceive? Where is he going to counterfeit? Read your text. He'd already begun. No one says Christ is accursed under the Spirit of God. Okay? You've got to understand this. He, he, this is where he's attacking. This is why you see the church the way it is. Listen, he says, you, you, unity we already have. And we preserve it in what? The bonds of peace. John's prayer in John's gospel chapter 17, he says, Father, I pray that they are one like you and I are. Why? So that the world will know you sent them. It ain't handing out tracts. It is people who are so theologically sound, they understand who God is, therefore they are united. Doctrine doesn't divide. Doctrine unites. The problem that we call the division is, is that people won't bow to the word of God. When I was in Russia, I've shared this before. When I was in Russia, I was in the fellowship hall thing. And I kept looking back in these little corners. And there was these great big feather bed things with these big, I, I looked at my wife quilts. And I they had these big massive quilts and things. And I kept looking at them and thinking, what in the, and then you just cruise around. And then all of a sudden you see another one like that. And I finally said, Valerie, get over here. And I said, what is up with the, the big feather bed things? And he just smiles at me and says, it's widows. I said, widows? It looks like a feather bed. He says, does not the Bible say, keep the widows? Yeah, that's what it says. That's where the widows sleep. So they stay here? Terry, am I wrong? Does the Bible not say that we... Yeah, you're, yeah, okay. Well, it just freaked me out. Why? The widows were the ones who kept up the church. And there was a couple of guys that were widowers, and they lived in the church. Interesting concept, isn't it? What do we do? 
Don't put them in a home. See what I'm trying to get at? He counterfeits them because the supernatural enabling is necessary for the life of the church. Look at the church today and ask yourself one single question. Uh, it's, it's a two-part question. Man-made, God-made. Okay? If you look at the church today, is it man-made or God-made? Now look at it. Ask yourself what a successful church is. How do you judge a body of people are being used mightily of God? How do you judge it? Man-made, God-made. See the difference? God says, I'm going to take the weak. The weak. I mean, listen, he took 11 half-hearted and literally turned the world upside down. Our whole globe stopped because of what those 11 guys kept saying. It stops today. Our globe stops. The economic system stops. Everything stops. Why? We're waiting on a little red fat man come down the chimney. Okay? The church is not a spectator sport. Martin Lloyd-Jones said it this way. The church, I quote, is not a professional pulpiteer financed by lay spectators, unquote. Okay? The church is not a place where you sit and watch it happen. Okay? The church is a living and breathing. It functions on the basis of ministry and the ministry of every single believer. Every single believer is gifted by the person of the Holy Spirit for the purpose that the Holy Spirit has placed that person into the believer, into the body of believers. And he uses that illustration in this text. To minister to each member. That's why it is seen as a body. That's why you see his illustration. You know, not all can be a foot. Not all could be a mouth. And I thought about this from the body. Listen, you can lose one foot and still function, can't you? You know what? You can lose both eyes and still function, can't you? Huh? Right? You can lose your voice and still function. You can literally cut the spinal cord at the neck and still function. Can't you? What do you do if you lose the liver? Bye. Okay? But the liver's not seen. It's not vocal. It doesn't have this massive impact in ministry. But it's seriously important, isn't it? What is the Church of Christ doing today? I want to be a foot. I want to be a hand. I want to be an eye. I want to be noisy. I want to be seen. Why? So I can be divisive. That's what was happening in the church in Corinth. It's important to see how these gifts work, how they operate within the body. How does the spiritual gift function? Why? In order that the church might be strengthened and we can understand how it is counterfeited. I remember a test a number of years ago that was out that listed all the spiritual gifts, except I remember now that they didn't have the gift of celibacy. But they said they had the exhaustive gift of spiritual gifts. And they listed, here's how the spiritual gifts looks in the flesh. And here's how the spiritual gifts looks in the power of the spirit. Okay. And I took the test and I came up with 
this is my gift because this is how I act when I'm in the flesh. Okay, then it dawned on me, this whole Bible group that I was with, they came up with the same conclusion. This is my gift because this is how I am in the flesh and this is the, and all the rest of it. And then as I've grown in my walk with Jesus, I thought, huh, that's blasphemous. That a holy gift, it can be used in the flesh. My, did we get powerful or what? No, that's not right. That's not right. The church might be strengthened and the spiritual gifts would be noted if they have been counterfeited. There are counterfeit gifts. How do I recognize it? Its end result will not be the building up of the church. It will be the tearing down of the church. What do you see today in the church in Spiritual gifts. They're divisive, aren't they? They're divisive. See, I taught this when I was in Russia. You know what their big problem is? Christmas. It says here, don't forbid. Don't forbid someone who speaks in tongue. I said, oh, that's not what it says. It says, if the person is speaking in a language and there is no interpreter... Shut up. And all my Russian brethren learned two English words. Shut up. I mean, it was like harmony. All these 30 pastors. Shut up. It was like, perfect. And they know that Terry has been here. Okay? Yeah. If you're going to use this te- language, yes, I have, you know, are they still here? We'll deal with that. But you use it in light of Scripture. Okay? How do I recognize it? It's easy. This church already had problems, didn't it? This first six chapters deals with disunity, which tells me that the exercise of their spiritual gifts were what? Counterfeited. They were counterfeited. Right? It is given for the unity of the body. If it's counterfeited, Satan wants to stop the church. So if you have disunity in the body, then guess what gifts are being used? Well, they ain't God's. Okay? Division. This thing had divisions over human opinion, over human philosophy, over human wisdom. There were personality cliques. You know, I'm just more friendly with this person. I'm more friendly with this person. They were carnal. Their flesh had mastered them. They had sexual perversions. They, in the congregation, they had a form of incest. A man had his father's wife. That would be a stepmother. And the church was promoting it as, this is good. Why? We're free in Jesus. Okay? There was worldliness. There was a preoccupation with the things of the world. They were suing each other. They were failing to discipline sin. There was marital conflict. There was conflict among the singles. They were abusing their freedoms. There was idolatry. There was selfishness. There was pride. There was demon worship. There was a women's lib movement. They were perverting the role of men and women. They were perverting the abuses of the Lord's table and the love feast. You add to it, what were they doing with the spiritual gifts? See, that's the context of chapter 12 through 14. 
You see that? So when you look at these gifts and the action of the gifts, do we really understand what he's saying? He's rebuking them, and it's a whole letter of rebuke. You are looking more like the world than you are the body of Christ. You are to be separate from the world. You have been called out of the world. The church in Corinth had not made that clear cut. And therefore, there was an ignorance of the spiritual things. Why? Your enemy counterfeits. I want to give you one verse and we're going to close. Chapter 1, verse 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7. Okay. Contextually, he's saying, I know you're saved. (laughs) That's basically what he's saying. Okay. Even the testimony concerning Christ is confirmed in you. Okay, the manifestation, testimony, manifestation of Christ is there, all right? So that when you see the manifestation of Christ, what happens? So that you are not lacking in any gift. This group of people had everything they needed for life and godliness. But what had happened was allowing their flesh to rule the counterfeiter came in. What they were claiming, works of the Holy Spirit, were literally works of Satan. And he says in chapter 12, this is excruciatingly important because I want you to be aware of this. Because the body, it is vital that the body of Christ works in the supernatural, eternal abilities that the Spirit of God has already, Ephesians says, lavished upon us. And if you know truth and the manifestation of the truth, I can look the person in the eye and say, that's a counterfeit. That's a counterfeit. That's the importance of testing the spirituals. That's why this falls where it does, immediately following the Lord's table. Why? Both activities take place where? The body of Christ. The body of Christ. They perverted one and they had fallen into seduction of the counterfeit of the other. And it is vital to the body that we know the difference. Let's pray. Father, we come to you for your ways, your wisdom, your your understandings. And Lord, I just pray that we will grab a hold of this. That Father, as with me, Lord, please help me lay aside my preconceived notions. Father, that I be sensitive to what you teach. That it stand to the light of Scripture. Experience, Lord, let us throw that out for now. Let us experience your blessing. Let us experience your will. Let us experience the moving of you in our souls. Father, let us set aside man's wisdom, man's plans, man's systems and man's ideas, man's philosophies. Father, let us cherish the word and the word alone. Let us be overwhelmed by you. 
Let us decrease that you may increase. Let us be sensitive to what you're doing, to your praise, to your glory. In the name of the King, amen.